Freedom Hut. A murder and riot wave hits America. A hydroxychloroquine video of doctors pulled off the web. Attorney General Barr crushing libs on Capitol Hill and so much more coming up. This This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America, you're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, my friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Thank you for being here. I missed you all yesterday. I was out in the countryside. I wish I could say it was, or rather, I could try to say it was family business, but it was family fun. uh, Hanging out for my dad's birthday. We had a great time. Yesterday was one of those days, though, that I very much wanted to be at the microphone. I I wanted to be able to address what was going on because of the madness happening all weekend. The Oakland rioters setting a courthouse on fire A a BLM protester killed for pointing a loaded weapon at somebody who had nothing to do with the protest in the street, breaking the law. A a series of riots in in Portland and Seattle. The, The madness just continues. And Democrats are doubling down on all of it. We keep reaching the point where we would think, hold on a second. They can't really defend this, right? They They must recognize That this, if nothing else, put aside the destruction, the violence, the immorality, the lawlessness. If nothing else, it's a political liability for them. Doesn't that matter more than anything else? Well, it's not a liability as far as the Democrats are concerned. If they can just gaslight you into thinking that it's not happening. If they can pretend that the riots in Portland and Seattle are the result of the deployment of federal law enforcement instead of federal law enforcement being a response to it. So they're trying everything. Uh, We need to be prepared right now and until this election for the most consistent stream of just the, 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 the lies that will be told will blow your mind. The media doesn't care. They lied about Trump, said that he was an agent of a foreign power for years. They have no remorse about that. The only part of that story, the Russia collusion fairy tale they're sad about, is that it didn't end with the president removed from office and perhaps even thrown in prison. That's the only part of that story that they find in any way uh, displeasing. They love the fact that they use that at a time of tremendous American prosperity, at a time of, uh, of amazing relative peace and sanity in this country uh, that they created out of just whole cloth a fabrication the president was a a a puppet of putin and a traitor to his country Uh, but i want to focus in if i can on because there's two components to this and and jerry nadler who is a joke in every respect not a funny one jerry nadler down on capitol hill with attorney general Barr today who is uh the, the best the best cabinet member asset that trump has uh pompeo is good you know pompeo is kind of the scotty pippin to attorney general Barr's michael jordan i mean pompeo is good but Barr is better and the way that he's able to deal with these democrat assaults we'll talk about that later on but but jerry nadler even conflated these two issues of police federal law enforcement deployment against the rioters and deployment against 
violence in cities. So let's these are two different efforts, but they both are tied together in that the Democrat narrative about cops is the reason we are seeing this surge is the reason we are suffering through this right now. So let me focus on the violence part of it for a moment. I often talk to you about the numbers here in New York City because that's where I am. That's where I grew up. I worked for the NYPD and I know the numbers here quite well. And they often lead national news broadcasts. So you'll see that New York is up uh, substantially in homicides, in shootings uh, from the same period last year. And we're now in the seventh month of the year. So this isn't this isn't like lining up the second week of January and the second week of January and saying, oh, there's a 20 percent spike in, in shootings and the spike is three more shootings. Right. That's not necessarily or that's not statistically significant at all. Uh, we're seven months in and we're seeing that it's it's bad in New York. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, the violence is bad in a lot of cities right now, comparably uh, when you compare it to last year. Violence is up. Uh, and when I say violence, I'm talking about homicides, shootings and murders, murders that are overwhelmingly with guns. So the, really the most disruptive violence in urban areas of the country up in Los Angeles, Chicago, uh, Houston, Phoenix, New York. And those are just the ones that come to mind. I mean, when you uh, Miami, I mean, you sit here, I, I looked at the numbers over the weekend and we are seeing a spike in violent crime in every major city in the country that at least I was able to check out the numbers on. And that's also assuming that all these numbers are really, especially when you're talking about shootings, are really compiled in an accurate and timely fashion. Uh, There's a reason that this is happening. There's a reason the country is going through this right now, and it is because of the Democrat Party. There's no other thing that you can point to. And in fact, if you look at what should be happening from a pure numbers and statistics point of view, the country has been on lockdown for months. So you would have far fewer people, far fewer targets for criminals to go after during that period of time. So you would expect that when we have lockdowns in March, April, into May, and still a continuation of lockdowns at different different levels right now, while you have all of that happening, shouldn't murders be way down in cities? We've all been stuck indoors for months. How can it be that in a year-to-year comparison, murders are up 30%, 40%, in some cities as, close, uh, as high as 50%? And you start to look at the week-to-week comparisons in June and July when lockdowns in some places have ended, and it's up 150 200% week-to-week, uh, checking 2019 against 2020. There's no way that the Democrats can explain this. And I I would say this to you. It seems so obvious that your mind might fight back against this. You might think, and this would this would be reasonable. Well, there must be something else going on here because Democrats have to. they, They had to know at some level that what they're doing is going to lead to this, that we would be in this situation where the American people are seeing just how reckless and dangerous and stupid the anti-cop narrative really is. But to that, I would tell you, um, no, no, don't don't give them that much credit. Don't assume the genius of your enemy when he's proven to you his stupidity time and time again. Right? What the Democrats are good at is force, lies, narrative creation, And street thuggery, that's what we've seen this year. 
there's not necessarily a lot of evidence to suggest that they're excellent uh, political strategists. Let, let's remember, these are the same people who put forward Hillary Clinton and were sure that she was going to win. OK, so they're wrong sometimes. And I think that they very, uh, very well may have been um, way, way off the, you know, way off the beaten path with this decision to fully back in an election year the mob. Right. They, they, they And look, the Democrat Party is the mob, but they they would have to understand at this point, they would have to realize that swing voters in key states are going to see what they're doing and say, hold on a second. I don't want these lunatics to be in charge. You could assume that they would know that, that the Democrats would understand that. But I think you'd be wrong. I think that a lot of members of the Democrat Party, particularly in the Congress, are honestly quite dumb. I think that they're venal. I think that they uh, have no no ability to look beyond the immediate news cycle, never mind even the election cycle. And they just allow the media and Twitter, uh, particularly Twitter, not really Facebook, to determine a lot of their posturing and their positions. You know, the, the, the mob, if you allow the mob to tell you what to do, you're always going to be lurching from one thing to another because the mob doesn't have a moral or, or even strategic core. It's just the consolidation of rage and anger. That's what's mobilized within, within the Democrat Party right now. So I think the Democrats have put themselves in a very difficult spot with this. You know, that's also why they're trying to focus so much more on COVID, because you can't hide from these numbers. You can't hide from the, the surge in crime and murders. Uh, they can try to, uh, to lie about it. They can. But ultimately, it's indefensible. And so they've now put themselves in a position where, as I've been saying, they're on defense on this issue. And they got a little too used to being on offense with the criticisms of COVID, of COVID response and, and also the racial demagoguery that the Democrat Party has engaged in when it comes to police and law enforcement in this country. So the, the murder spike is real and the Democrats are just going to have to lie to you about it in every way possible uh, and do whatever they can to avoid a public reckoning for the you know the consequences of these actions effectively, and and that's what's one that's one part of this. And then you also have the riots that are going on, and in, and in some sense this is even more insane, right? On the crime issue, what they'll do is what De Blasio, the mayor here in New York, is doing, which is to claim that there's a lot of complicated factors with crime, and and they're just going to hide behind that. If they talk about it at all, they'll say, oh, there's a lot of factors, COVID frustration and all the you know, whatever it is. We all know. Oh, no, it's because you guys have have decided to throw cops to the wolves because you thought that it was a good way to mobilize the left wing base. And they did. They mobilized the left wing base. What about independence? What about the people that Joe Biden's going to have to win in Ohio, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Florida? who are seeing what's going on and saying, these libs are nuts. These Democrats are crazy. Not a very good strategy. Not a very good idea. So then you also have the riots. And this is just clear pandering from Democrats. The, the pretense that this is anything other than the childish rage of Democrat loons. And I'm so happy to see. 
I've been calling them Democrats for weeks and weeks. As you know, last night, uh, Tucker's show, he refers to them as Biden voters. Who's been calling them Democrats and Biden voters from the very beginning? Yours truly. This is how we should refer to them. This is the way to go. This is how we should do things. Uh, because otherwise it gets lost in this, oh, they're anti-fascists or they're, they're these radical revolution. No, these are Democrats. Democrats who believe that the Green New Deal will save the world, that listening to Greta Thunberg on scientific issues is smart, that uh, socialism will make the country richer, better, and more prosperous, and that Joe Biden is an intelligent and worthy man who should lead the country. They believe all that stuff. They also think that police are racists who kill black men routinely and without consequence, unarmed black men routinely and without consequence. Um, and that's a lie. In fact, the one of the most uh, important statistics that you may have heard during Attorney General Barr's testimony in front of the Democrat lunatics today on Capitol Hill is that according to the Washington Post, there have been eight. That's eight total unarmed black men killed by police this year. And that includes people who are unarmed, but in the process of assaulting police officers. That's what all these protests were, were about. Eight. Every individual who is harmed by police, whether it's lethal, uh, lethal abuse of force or even much less than that, should be held to account. But we have national convulsions and the need for constant conversation in the media when we have eight unarmed black men, 11 unarmed white men killed by cops. So that means that almost a million law enforcement officers should be slandered by the media. This is reckless and absurd and disgusting beyond words. But here's where we see it, friends. Here's where we are. Dig in for the fight. There's no other option right now. You're going to have to fight for the truth every day from now until Election Day. You're going to have to be ready to be called all kinds of names. You're going to have to deal with if you want to have conversations about this, if you want to get out there and knock on doors or hand out flyers or just post on your social media, or you're going to be open about giving money to a, you know, to a political campaign or candidate. Be ready for them to throw everything they can at you. And they're going to unleash hell. We need to unleash hell in response or else they're going to get their way, which is what this is ultimately all about. The lockdowns, the riots, it all recedes when Joe Biden wins. That's the plan. We know this. And remember this, it doesn't recede because they want us to return to normal. It will recede because then their guy will be in a position to mandate through the force of government what they want to achieve through threats of force right now. That's all. That's the plan. We are seeing it. It's up to us to defeat it. And the first step in that is knowing your enemy. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. It is true. There's violence across the whole country. Do you disavow the violence from Antifa? That's happening in Portland right now? That's, that's, that, that's a myth. That's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. Sir, sure, there's there's videos everywhere online. There's fires and riots. There's th- they're throwing fireworks at uh, federal officers. DHS is there. Look online. It gets crazy, Mr. Nadler. Jerry Nadler, member of Congress, who was making a fool of himself today on Capitol Hill by going after the attorney general. Not, not on 
policy differences, really going after the Attorney General Bill Barr as a person, as if he's going to undermine the credibility of this impeccably credentialed, successful lawyer um, who was already the Attorney General under a previous administration, and nobody thought that he was a hack then. But Jerry Nadler here, back to the violence that we're seeing in cities. Remember, there's there's violence from criminal from criminal activity and violence from riots, which are a form of criminal activity, but different in their origin. Right. These are there's gangbangers doing drive by shootings and there's Antifa lunatics throwing rocks and bricks at people and hurting them. And when we see Jerry Nadler confronted here in this video, actually, I, I know the gentleman who was asking that question and our buddy, uh, our buddy D.C. Drano, Rogan, uh, was also there for it, present for it. So a hat tip and high five to those guys. Nadler does something that seems just be- beyond bizarre. I mean, you'd say, what? What do you mean? There's no- Antifa's a myth. No, this is the gaslighting that you should expect. There, there is countless uh, instances already of Democrats saying things like mostly peaceful protests when the, pe- when the protest isn't peaceful. Okay, we know this. If you're at a protest and a big portion of it or a group from within it starts attacking cops and lighting things on fire, it's no longer a peaceful protest. It's turned into something else. It's a riot. But this is the game plan. This is what you should expect. The Democrats are going to continue to lie about this. stuff. They're just going to lie to you about it. They're going to say it's a myth. It doesn't exist. They're going to gaslight you. They're going to do everything in their power to make sure that they are not held to account by voters who see what's happening in this country and say, oh, hmm, uh, the Democrat Party's insane. Okay, good to know. I think I'll remember that when they've got, oh, Joe Biden out there saying, vote for me, I'm Joe Biden. I did a great thing once in a place with the thing, you know, four score and, and you know, life, liberty and the, the thing. That's what they want for you. That's the guy they want in charge of the country. They think he's going to They tell you he's going to do a great job. He's going to be fantastic. Just just put him in power, folks. That's probably the, the biggest lie of all they're telling these days. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You look at words from Nancy Pelosi. What does she say? She says, you know, this is all Trump's fault. If we were in power, none of this left wing terrorism would be happening right now. So their messaging is coming from different angles, but it is very well coordinated. And it's and it's this. They're going to hold you hostage. They're going to hold you, the American people, hostage until you give them power. One more thing about this. How do I know that they just want power? Because normally protesters have a, some kind of demand, right? There's something that would stop their protest because, you know, maybe a policy change. But that never happens. Even when Portland defunds their police, it doesn't stop the mob. They continue because it's power that they're after. You've got to think of, that was Congressman Crenshaw, and he he gets it. You've got to think of this mob as a symbiotic organism to the Democrat Party. They are the shock troops, the paramilitary arm, whatever you want to call it, but they're working together. The only way that you see a cessation of any of this is if far left-wing Democrats are in charge. And now you might say, hold on a second, Buck. Well, wasn't there a BLM movement during the Obama administration? And wasn't there, yeah, and wasn't there Occupy Wall Street during the Obama administration? I'd say, yes, that, that's right, there was. And they were trying to uh, 
demand things from the Democrat Party in power while also silencing voices of opposition and threatening uh, those who opposed the Democrat Party. But they were trying to pull it further left. Right. And that was a time of particular anger among Democrats, too. They wanted that. They wanted Barack Obama to go even further toward socialism and statism. But now. Right. They're 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 out there. They're not just trying to pull the Democrat Party further left. They want the Democrat Party to be back in charge. So they, they feel an even greater urgency. Otherwise, how can you explain this? What has changed in Seattle and Portland that make these places? So we're going to pretend this isn't linked to the election. Oh, oh, they're still going to act like this is about George Floyd's killing. Uh, you've got a bunch of predominantly white protesters, rioters. I see. I do it, too, because we. You read the word enough. This is how propaganda works. You read it enough and you'll use it. You have these uh, lunatic rioters out there who are predominantly white. that They don't, they don't care about George Floyd. Uh, they, they engage in this kind of uh, protest as a part of Democrat left-wing culture. This is a social activity for them. This makes them feel good. This gives them purpose. This also gives them an outlet for what is very clearly a derangement in the era of Trump. That is, I would say, a visible mental illness. I mean, these people are actually nuts. So to think you should go and burn down a federal courthouse, what, why are they doing that? Why do they keep trying this? Why do they light a courthouse on fire in Oakland? It's happening in all of these cities all across the country, cities run by Democrats. Now, I do think that at some level, the Democrats who are savvier understand that they can't control this mob. And so there are there are those that that recognize this is a liability, but, you know, a loose cannon can still fire at the at the enemy. Right. Even a loose cannon is dangerous. It's dangerous to everybody. But you just hope that it goes off when it's pointing at the other guys. And now we get to tactics. Uh, I think that's a good way to transition into it. I see you have three federal agents and Attorney General Barr mentioned this today during his testimony, three federal agents who may be permanently blinded, and we don't know yet, and we don't know the extent of it, may be permanently blinded by the uh, Antifa Democrat base using lasers to fire into the eyes of these of these uh, federal law enforcement officers. Now, it is already a very serious federal crime, as it should be, to fire lasers up at helicopters or pilots because it can completely disorient and blind them very easily. And the federal penalty for that is severe, as it should be. I mean, people should go to prison for a long time for doing that. You know, it would be like someone's driving a car and you, you know, think it's a think it's funny or think it's a form of protest or whatever to cover up their eyes while they're on the highway going 80 miles an hour. Does anyone think that's funny? No. Does anyone think that that should be anything other than punished to the fullest extent of the law? Of course. Well, no, Democrats in this case think that it's funny and they think that it should be allowed. They think that firing lasers in the eyes of federal officers, possibly blinding them, is uh, is an acceptable form of, quote, protest. I say that this is uh, malicious wounding. And if I if I thought that somebody was firing lasers into my eyes and I had a sidearm, um, I, I got to tell you, I would draw down. I'd say you do that again. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm supposed to risk being blinded, blind. Going through the rest of your life blind because some psycho lib crybabies who watch too much Jimmy Kimmel and Colbert at night 
stop playing video games in the morning so they can run out and play make-believe revolutionary and they're going to blind a federal law enforcement officer? I don't think so. I don't think so. The consequences for this should be severe. You had dozens, dozens of law enforcement officers uh, in Seattle alone who were uh, 59 cops was the number I saw who were seriously hurt over the weekend. And in response to this, you know what the Seattle City Council's come up with? They've banned the use of non-lethal or less than lethal uh, crowd control measures. That's right. That's what they've done. They have decided uh, that you're not allowed. If you're a cop, I'm talking about now, your cops are not allowed to use uh, pepper spray, tear gas, anything like that. So take away their tools. Just turn it into a free-for-all wrestling match where the bad guys get to use batons, bricks, bags of feces, lasers, fireball bearings with uh, slingshots, which have you know gone deep into, into the skin of federal officers. I mean, they're, they're, they're firing weapons at people. They're trying to blind people. And morons like Pelosi and Nadler are acting like this is... Uh, you know, uh, a civil rights protest, that these are moral giants who are speaking up for the oppressed. The Democrat Party is disgusting right now. Disgusting. And the people who support it are being disgusting. Oh, but anything, anything in the era of Trump, whatever it takes, whatever, whatever we need to do, it's just lies. You know what they're saying? Um, the problem is here now. Because th- there's too much video. As much as the media, they're lackeys at CNN, another place. Just full of just the, the worst, the most superficial, vapid morons on planet Earth are anchors and correspondents at CNN and MSNBC. But CNN's worse, the worst, the absolute worst. Uh, you, you know what they're all claiming now? The Democrat Party, along with them, Democrat members of Congress, you know, Pelosi and Schumer and the rest of the of the disgusting moron brigade. Uh, they're claiming that the problem here is Trump. That's right. These cities are up in flames. There are riots happening in some cases for weeks and weeks on end. And the problem is Trump. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. This is not a Republican or Democrat issue. This is about America and the proper role of law enforcement. I hate to say it, but it looks like this president is doing a dress rehearsal for martial law, sending in federal forces to take over police duties in city after city for political purposes. It is frightening and it's making things worse. It has not improved public safety. It has decreased public safety. Ah, there you go. There you have a perfect example of what I'm talking about. That's the mayor of Seattle. Well, remember, there was an autonomous zone set up and the mayor went along with it. Jenny Durkin. It's, it's a good thing that she exists because then at least de Blasio has a credible claim to not being the worst mayor in the history of mayors. But it's a tough, it's a tough fight right now between Antifa's little errand boy, Ted Wheeler in Portland, and Durkin up in Seattle, you know, autonomous zone Durkin. And then Lori Lightfoot, who uh, is unable to come to grips with the reality of a city that just has a violence problem that makes a lot of war zones seem 
safe by comparison. So what's really going on here Uh, to say that this is a dress rehearsal for martial law is is really stupid in a way that's uh, it's hard to fully wrap your mind around. How how could anyone say anything so dumb, Um, especially because what we've seen is during the covid pandemic and they've been saying that Trump was a fascist and Trump was going to institute martial law from the very beginning. But what we've seen during the covid pandemic is that if you were trying to come up with a an open door for tyranny, an open door for the for instituting an authoritarian regime, you were trying to do those things. Um, You couldn't do better than covid-19. We're now and we'll talk more about this in, in a little bit, but where you have got the governor in New York, seeing photos of people doing things and calling them out and saying, oh, I'm going to have to make sure there's more restrictions now. Your freedoms are going to go away because you're not listening to me. Oh, so now we have collective punishment because someone throws a party somewhere. I can't leave my house. I have to wear a mask outdoors. We'll get to that. But this is uh, it's never factored in at all because they don't care because it's not about the truth. It's about power. The Democrats never tell you, well, hold on a second. Uh, They never admit that Trump has responded to the biggest opening for tyranny in this country, certainly since 9-11. And it's a much bigger opening than even that was by saying, hey, let's let the states make as many choices as possible. We'll backstop them with PPE, with unemployment funding uh, for workers who are out of jobs. And let's get them back up and running as soon as possible so people can go back to living their lives. That's what Trump, the fascist has been doing during COVID-19. What about all the Democrat politicians who say that Trump is a fascist or that he's trying to institute martial law? What have they been doing? You know, making highly politicized, biased decisions. You know, they'll shut down churches, but they'll keep the weed stores open. They'll allow mass protests about the killing of George Floyd and BLM, but they won't allow you to go to the funeral of a loved one. No, that's not won't allow you to be by the side of a loved one who's dying in the hospital. Nope, not allowed. Not allowed. What does tyranny really look like? Look at some of the Democrat governors and mayors and how they approach this covid pandemic, which they are now uh, just extending and extending the rules and regulations on so that we don't even know what it's like to be normal anymore. And the madness continues in Portland and Seattle and these other cities. And what do they tell us? Oh, it's Trump's fault. In fact, they're, they're even getting it's even uh, getting more ridiculous than that. I saw NBC News running a story just yesterday. NBC News. Oh, it's a serious news channel. Got to remember these big news channels. They used to have the audience all to themselves for news and they don't anymore. And they're really just the vanity, uh, the vanity news divisions created by entertainment, corporate entertainment conglomerates uh, for the amusement of their executives and to make them seem like a more serious and more worthwhile brand. NBC News full of full of jokers, full of clowns. These places are not impressive. Don't don't ever think that, oh, because it's, you know, the the three the three letter um, uh, broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC. They're they're the serious. No, they're exactly the same as it's all the same now. Same as CNN, same as MSNBC. Uh, Because the news, the world of news has been so, well, it's really, it's that it's been exposed. It's not really corrupted. We just know what the truth is now. Thank you in large part to uh, social media 
because these idiots tell us who they are, and then they say, I didn't tell you that, I didn't say that I'm a Democrat. Oh, well, we can read your Twitter feed there, buddy. But what do they, uh, what did they say at NBC News? They focused on how right-wing extremism is a rising threat in America. Oh, they're going to do more of this. Get ready for it. This is going to be, it's straight out of the playbook. At a time when the left can no longer uh, ignore, it's just too much. It's too heavy a lift. The lie is too complicated. Uh, at a time when the left can no longer ignore the destruction in cities, the uh, the sense of of helplessness and hopelessness that many major cities, all in Democrat hands, are currently going through. What what do they do? What is their what is their next move? Try to find a way to blame, obviously, Trump. Talk about martial law. Yeah, that's right. Federal officers enforcing the law is martial law. No, it's just the law. Democrat idiots. But while that's happening, while that's going on, they also add to it uh, that there's a concern over right wing terrorism. I even saw the the car ramming as a tactic of right wing, you know, neo Nazis piece. Uh, what, what was that? A, a number of weeks ago. But now we see that there's there's going to be this effort to create a, a, an equivalency. Both sides have crazies. Look at the crazies on both. No, these are all their crazies. These are all libs, but they're going to try. And just you watch this. This might end up being one of my better predictions. They will find either a counter protest group or one individual somewhere and they will uh, and they'll get him to say something that's, you know, a, a, a little bit, a little bit too aggressive or I don't know, just something. It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll find someone. They're going to try to claim that right wing extremism is also what's look what they did with the George Floyd protests, which turned into riots and arson and looting and mayhem. They for for days, there were stories in major news outlets about these were right wing agitators engaged in false flag operations. We, we've that has been completely forgotten about now. People never you go back, you check it out. It's absolutely true. Some of the biggest news organizations in the country. Oh, we've seen reports that these. The burning down of Minneapolis is happening because of right wing agitators from out of the state. Nope, that was all a lie. But it it gave them a little breathing room, right? It gave them a little ability to, oh, I don't know, maybe, you know, you, you can't really have people telling the truth about this because we don't really know what's happening. Get ready for more of that. They're going to find a way to make it seem like there's blame on both sides here that the uh riots and arson and looting and, and murders that are happening in these cities are somehow tied to the Republicans. They, they're, they're blaming Trump, but that only works for people that think Trump is, is guilty of everything. You know, Trump is responsible for the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. You know, Trump is the reason that the Roman Republic fell. I mean, Trump is for some people, they're so deranged that it doesn't matter. Trump's responsible for everything. And they go, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's Trump's fault. Uh, but that's not going to work with anyone else who's paying attention to what's happening in the country. So the next move will be, oh, there's right wing extremism too. the MAGA supporters out there. They're just as bad as Antifa. I know it's crazy, my friends. Just wait for it. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. What does the science tell us about hydroxychloroquine? And what are the scientists and the doctors saying about it? And this issue is 
Back up in the news um, for uh, reasons we're about to get into. But I I would say this. uh, Anyone who tells you that you are not supposed to have opinions or thoughts on on an issue that affects public health and safety like this and that if you're paying attention, you would under, you would see clearly the experts have been wrong repeatedly. And there are a lot of things at work that have nothing to do with your health and safety. And who tells you that is trying to control you. They do not have your best interests at heart. That's for sure. That brings me to this video that I would play the audio for you. But guess what? It has been pulled down. Senator producer Mark last night, this this video of. America's Frontline Doctors, sponsored by the Tea Party Patriots Group, and they held a Washington, D.C. press conference. There was a woman, a a doctor, um, who, if you go online, it's fascinating, if you go online and try to find any information about her, it's almost like she doesn't exist. There's really nothing that comes up. They just simply... Uh, pretend that this whole thing did not happen. And, you know, we are getting pretty close, in my opinion. We're getting pretty close to uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel, I will say, is is her name. Uh, We're getting close to the kind of Soviet-level propaganda that we all read about in books and say, oh, well, that would never happen here. Really? Because they're pulling stuff off the Internet that is an area of public debate, an area of public inquiry, where at a minimum we should be exposed, even if the idea, even if they, it turns out that they're wrong, we should be exposed to the opposing points of view. How can you really know if what you think is true if ideas that don't line up with it are disregarded out of hand? How, how could you know? How is it possible to know? Ah, they won't, uh, they won't give you any answers to that, will they? They'll just say, be quiet, peasant. We control, we the libs control social media and we will take anything off that we choose to. And that's what they've done. These doctors, again, I wish I could play for you and you could decide for yourself. Look, I don't know the truth. I don't know. I'm not I'm not treating patients. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's true about hydroxychloroquine, but I know things that are not true about it. Right. And I could start there with you. I know things that are not true, like. When when there are uh, major news organizations that come forward and say that hydroxychloroquine is not safe and that Trump is touting an unsafe drug, that is a stupid and dangerous lie. That's a lie. And anyone who then says, oh, but look at the side effects. Every drug has side effects. If I tell you. Don't take, oh, you have a really bad infection. Don't take penicillin. It has side effects. It's unsafe. You would rightly look at me and say, um, I don't want to die from this bacterial infection. So I, I'm not going to listen to you. That's stupid. I say, oh, no, but it's unsafe. No, no drug is entirely safe. Here, here's an interesting fact. Water, if you drink too much too quickly, water can kill you. Water is lethal. That's a true statement. Depends on what I say about the water, right? Obviously, you can drown, but I'm actually talking about just ingesting too much. You can die from drinking too much water too fast. Does that mean water is unsafe? No, it's a stupid thing to say. That's what Democrats are doing with hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, there are side effects. It's it has saved. This is a drug 
that in some places, in some countries, is over the counter. It's a drug that has saved millions and millions of lives from malaria for over 60 years. Malaria is one of the worst public health scourges in the world, which would be a lot less bad if we hadn't had the panic from the environmentalist leftist libs over DDT. But that's another conversation. Oh, the pink paradise put up a parking lot. We need to save the earth, save the trees. No DDT. Well, a lot of people died because of that. A lot of people died because we were told that DDT was such a dangerous substance that could not be used. But I digress. So what do we know? What do we know that's not true about hydroxychloroquine? We know it's not true that it's a dangerous drug. It's a drug. All drugs have interactions. All drugs can be toxic in, at certain doses. And, and there's always the possibility that someone has an adverse reaction. That's not the same thing as it being dangerous. You can die from eating shrimp if you're allergic. That doesn't mean that shrimp is dangerous, right? It would be a lie to go around saying, oh, you eat shrimp, you're going to die. It's not true. I can't eat bread. Is bread dangerous? Of course not. Bread's not dangerous. But I can't eat it. It's dangerous to me. But it's not, it's not a true statement to make, but they will do it anyway. Right. That's what they're doing with hydroxychloroquine. So we know that that's that's one area. Um, we also know that they keep on having to repeal studies or retract uh, statements and and different, you know, peer peer reviewed uh, trials because they they don't do it in the way that the proponents of it keep suggesting. They don't use it as an early stage or even prophylaxis treatment. I know medical doctors in New York City, personally, who not only gave hydroxychloroquine to their patients, but took it themselves as a prophylaxis when they were treating, when we were overwhelmed here with COVID cases in the hospitals. Um, are, are they idiots? Do they not know anything? And the ones that I know are doctors with impeccable credentials that went to top schools and had fantastic uh, uh, you know, uh, board scores for entering medical school. I mean, I'm just telling you, these are really impressive people and they they gave it to their patients and they took it themselves and the ones that gave it to their patients and it didn't work for those patients kept saying i'm i'm giving it you know by the time the patient shows up they're already almost gone i mean no one's saying that hydroxychloroquine is a miracle cure right it's not like the guy in the green mile who shows up puts his hands on you and you know sprays out all the little bugs or whatever that are the bat you know it, no one's saying that's what happens but it might be useful under certain contexts. And obviously, this is where people are going to start yelling at me, Buck, also with uh, azithromycin, which is sold in the brand name Zithromax and zinc. So those are that, that's a drug, co a combination drug therapy at an early stage administered that could be useful, that a lot of doctors keep coming out and saying it is useful. I'm also hearing from doctors about uh, using uh, steroids similar to the, the kind of corticosteroids uh, that they will give you for asthma inhalers effectively steroid inhalers uh some doctors are saying that that's very useful why isn't this getting more attention why is it the treatments for 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 covid19 aren't getting any it's always about the vaccine in the far distance just shut up wear a mask do what you're told one day we'll get you to a vaccine what about the fact that the death rate while we have all-time high cases in the united states the death rate is a fraction of what it was in the early days of the outbreak. Now, I know there's a lot of different reasons why. How old are the people getting sick? How healthy were they to begin with? Um, 
you know, we, we've learned some some very basic things. I understand like ventilators are a really bad idea unless it's an absolute last resort to keep somebody breathing. Right. These are things that doctors have have been finding out. But how, how are we treating this now? What is the protocol for treatment if somebody goes to the hospital with COVID-19? You, you don't see stories about it. You don't see the media talking about it. Are the are the doctors that are using these combination therapies or you know using the uh, the uh, inhalers are, are they lying? Is that where are they lying? Is that what we're being told? So uh, you know I, I'm out here. I'm asking these questions, and all I get I have people who are absolutely convinced that they're really smart and they believe that a cloth mask worn loosely around their mouth that was probably made in china uh will protect them from a a virus that's less than a micron in size and freely flows in the air including through the mesh of a mask that they'll believe that but they won't believe that a drug with a 60 plus year history of saving millions of lives and helping people with lupus and and uh, rheumatoid arthritis, I believe that's another case for it. But, you know, it's helping people for different autoimmune conditions that that can't be help that that can't be useful in early stage uh, prevention of virus replication. Who Who's the crazy side here? I'm not even saying that it's right. I'm just saying, can we find out? The Lancet, which is the most prestigious medical journal in the world, which also recently had a whole thing about mask wearing that was like, yeah, we oh, I'm sorry about lockdowns. Rather, that was like, yeah, we can't tell you that lockdowns really do anything good. It's we don't have we can't prove it. Uh, no one ever ignored that one. But the Lancet had to had to retract a study that they had, that it had published about how hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. The FDA has pulled away emergency use authorization for it. Why? Oh, because of all the media pressure. Because everyone was was, you know, bowing and bending at the knee on this one. Oh, gosh, the doctor said the doctor said. No, they're not telling us what the doctors say. They're they're silencing, silencing them. And that then brings me to this back and forth over, first of all, the, the violation of Twitter policies, violation of Facebook and these other social media giants by spreading covid disinformation. Was it disinformation when health professionals told us don't wear masks because they didn't they didn't get rid of that? Look at the suppression. This is censorship. These people who think they understand and believe in science don't even know what science is. It's data. It's studies that can be replicated. It's experiments that have a control group. It is what is. It's not what you want it to be doesn't matter they they root for a side and then no matter what they will pretend that that side is science well where does the fouch come down on all this because the president went on a whole retweet storm not a retweet storm of buck sexton this morning that's kind of a shame i need another you know i want a dozen retweets in a row from the president that would be fun my twitter mentions will be terrifying but it'll be fun uh no the the fouch the fouch is out there and, you know, he's now like, OK, let's talk about hydroxychloroquine again. Let's have this conversation. I I still haven't had anyone explain to me why there are doctors who will come forward and openly say, I really think that for some people this helps and this is saving lives. Are those doctors all paid off? They're not paid off by big pharma. OK, that that's not reality. They're not. What, what do they get out of this? 
Now, it's, it's very clear that people are rooting against hydroxychloroquine for political purposes in the media of the Democrat Party, which is a sociopathic thing to do. We should at least find out real answers here. Saying the FDA pulled its emergency youth authorization, that's because the media was all, oh my gosh, it causes heart attacks and people are drinking fish tank cleaner and oh, Trump said this and it's reckless. And, you know, the government bureaucracy goes, okay, well, you know, I, you know, I don't want people showing up at my house like they do at the DHS uh, chief's house. I don't want people, you know, threatening me and my family and my kids because I want to let people use hydroxychloroquine, so... I'll pull the FDA authorization from it. These libs are completely insane, folks. They don't care how many people suffer because of their beliefs. They, they honestly don't care. I care about all the suffering that's happening in the country. I want people to be safe. I want crime to end. I want riots to end. I want COVID to end. That's what I want. That's my first priority. Those are my priorities, even more so than President Trump getting elected. Now, I know you'd say those things are very much linked, but I'm just telling you, if I, if I could wake up tomorrow and, you know, and we had to have a different president, but... COVID is gone. The economy's up and running. Everyone is safe in the cities, or at least we go back to a greater degree of safety in the cities. I'd say, okay, I mean, I want results. I want results. Results that maybe only Trump will be able to, to give us going forward. But I just mean, theoretically, that's what's most important for me. It's, it's not about picking a team. It's about what's best for the country, what's best for the American people. The other side is like, no, we're in power. If I can't have it, nobody can. If, if I'm not playing with the ball all the time, I'll take it home with me. If I'm not in charge, no one gets to be in charge. That's their approach, even on issues of medicine and science. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Do you think given what we're seeing with uh, an increase in cases that the recovery could be in jeopardy at all, the economic recovery? I don't think so. I think the recovery has been very strong. We've set record job numbers. We've set record numbers, whether it's a pure V or a little bit less than that. I think it's going to be very good. If uh, therapeutically we come up with some answers very quickly, which I think we will, uh, then you're going to have a, a tremendous recovery. Uh, likewise with the vaccines, if you do that by the end of the year, that's ahead of schedule, substantially ahead of schedule, and it's ahead of anything that's ever taken place in terms of vaccines before. So I think if those things happen, if just one of those events happen, uh, you'll go right back into that V, and I think you're probably in the V anyway. Uh, I really do believe a lot of the governors should be opening up states that uh, they're not opening. And we'll see what happens with them. But a lot will have to do with the fact that therapeutically, I think you can have some great answers vaccine wise. Likewise, we'll certainly hope so. Notice how the Democrats have put themselves in a position where, look, let's just let's just call it what it is. They're rooting for at least the vaccine to be delayed until January. Imagine that they have all of these vac. Uh, imagine rather that they have the possibility of, of putting out one of I shouldn't say all of one of these vaccines to 100 million Americans uh, in October. That would be the earliest that it might be available, but imagine that. And it turns out that they think it has very high efficacy. Now, whether you believe that that's going to end this or not, or whether it's going to be seasonal, just put that aside for a moment. Think of what that'll do to the markets and to optimism, to jobs. Democrats are against it. They don't want that to happen. They want it to be delayed. That's right. We have a a race for a vaccine to a pandemic that is killing a lot of people in this country and has killed a lot of people and is still a concern for all of us, all of us, either as individuals or also for our loved ones who are at higher risk. 
And Democrats are, well, let's not rush this thing too much. Let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, And so that's why they're Trump is pushing for we're going to make vaccines even before we know they're good to go. We're going to make vaccines. And that way, as soon as you know, they're going to pre-deploy this thing so that as soon as they get the clearance that, yes, this works. Yes, this is safe. They're going to go out there and start vaccinating folks. Play 13. We're mass producing all of the most promising vaccine candidates in advance so that on the day one that it's approved, it'll be available to the American people immediately. And we'll probably have a lot for a lot of other people throughout the world. The world is suffering from this China virus. That's certainly going to be a different uh, version of the October surprise, right? You get a vaccine deployed before this election or even know that it's about to be deployed. That changes a lot, a lot of the perception. And so then you have to you have to really ask yourself, are they are they rooting for success here? No, you you hear a lot of partisan stupidity instead from people like Representative Cohen of Tennessee. Play six. A lot of people don't wear masks because they think Trump says you don't have to. They think it's macho. They think it's it's MAGA or something. And they're being rude and they're spreading coronavirus when they're asymptomatic to other people. I was hurt and shocked when I heard that Tennessee might be the explosion point, the next explosion point, because our governor's not ordering people to stay at home, to wear masks, to close bars. We need decisive action from our governor. We need decisive action from our president. We are seeing people die. I mean, he's a moron. Oh, we're going to we're just going to keep on going through this. Wear a mask and the virus doesn't get spread. That's a lie. That's just not true. Does it mitigate the spread a, a few percentage points? Maybe this is rooting for failure, folks, this is what Democrats are doing. Rooting for failure. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. But in the meantime, how do we treat the covid cases that are out there? How do we try to keep the death toll as low as possible? The Fouch, the Fouch is loose. He's out there making sure. Look, look, I know you saw the pitch. It was not good. It was not a good pitch. It went kind of went over there. You know, it's like here I am supposed to be throwing over home plate. And instead, it's like I threw it to China. It didn't work. It was bad. Now I sound like the president talking about China, but it was bad. I had a bad pitch. And then the in-style cover, you know, maybe maybe posing for fashion magazines right now is not a top priority for me as the as the number one epidemiologist expert in the public eye, yada, yada, all that stuff. But he got pressed by uh, George uh, Stephanopoulos this morning. Uh, again, another one of these media guys, you go, hmm. So you're in the Clinton White House and now you're like the great news anchor based on what I, I, I still don't understand. But, you know, it is what it is. Some people get lucky in this life, folks. And you know what? You just want to say, all right, well, if they can get lucky. I guess other people can, too. More talented, worthier, better folks can get lucky. All of us can get quite lucky. Um, he was asked, uh, the Fouch was asked this morning about this tweet storm from trump on hydroxychloroquine they pulled down this video i watched the video i can't play it for you they pulled down the video of these frontline doctors uh who had this press conference where you had a a particularly one one doctor uh, who as i said you can't even find anything about her online and we're being told that this had to go this had to be taken offline because it's misinformation this is censorship pure and simple 
there are plenty of docs, more docs. You know, do you have doctors coming forward saying, you know, rub some rhubarb on your arm and COVID will go away? No. Okay. You have a lot of MDs who have come out who said they have used this and it has worked. Now, maybe it's anecdotal. Maybe they just got lucky in those cases, but we should at least be able to talk about this and know, don't we all want treatments to save lives from COVID? No, the answer is a lot of Democrats are like, that really makes things harder for us. We really want maximum suffering. And it's a a, look, it's a horrible thing to say, except it is the truth. That is what Democrats have put themselves into. That is their position on this. But the Fouch was being asked some questions. You know, this is this is where you're going to get this is on ABC, uh, the morning show over there. And this is where they set the consensus so that all the all the libs in Malibu and the Hamptons who are wear a mask, social, social distance. Yeah. Wear a mask. All of them uh, know where they're getting their marching orders from the Fouch on ABC. He's asked about masks by Stephanopoulos. Play eight. I have to have you respond, first of all, to those tweets from President Trump that were taken down overnight. First, on, on that one that said you don't need masks, there is a cure. It's called hydroxychloroquine. Can you just clarify for our viewers the best scientific guidance we have on masks and hydroxychloroquine? We should all be wearing masks outside, uh, George. This is something that, as you heard Dr. Burks mentioned when she was uh, m- making a comment, it's very important. There are certain fundamental things we should be doing, particularly if you happen to be in an area where there's viral activity. Wear masks all the time when you're outside. Social distancing, six feet at least. Avoid crowds. Close bars in areas where there's viral activity and do hand hygiene. There's no question about that. So that's something that's not really arguable. Uh, I think it is arguable. I I think it's arguable. Uh, Fouch, hold, hold on a second. Um, wear a mask. He said very clearly, wear a mask outside at all times. Where's the science to support that? And I mean this. Since, since when were we told... You got to wear a mask outside all the time. What if I'm walking alone on the street? There's nobody near me. I'm still supposed to wear a mask. That's lunacy. Lunacy. This is about control. This is about, you know, they say jump. You say how high they say do push ups. You say how about 100? There's no science backing this up. He just said wear a mask outside all the time. That's that's new. That was never that was Never what the consensus such as it is within the scientific community was. That's absurd. The biggest studies they have of this have shown that outdoor transmission is is basically not a factor at all in transmission of this virus. But he's telling you now that this is what the science says. No, this is just what the Democrat Party has decided to believe. Everyone's got to wear a mask. America's sick. America's in bad shape. Vote Biden. That's it. Everyone's got to wear a mask. See, it's a visual representation of conformity and a visual representation of and it's, it's a mandate, of course, of America's distress. That's what that's what's happening here. That's the reality around us. And he was asked specifically the Fouch. All right. So first I say something on masks. That's just not true. Or, or that or, or for which there is no evidence remember 
He's saying outdoor mask all the time. And I've been saying, look, I understand sometimes indoors maybe it makes you feel better. Maybe it helps a little bit. But outdoors is crazy. That was everyone kind of was like, yeah, yeah. Outdoor masking doesn't really. And let me maybe if you're going to be in a protest of a thousand people in uh, close, uh, close proximity, shouting and yelling. But that's not normal human behavior outdoors. Right. You, you don't have to be a part of a massive mob to be outside. That's insane. Um. But now they've just completely changed this. And we're not supposed to notice. Oh, now it's mask wearing outdoors all the time. Okay. And then you got this other one. Um, on hydroxychloroquine. Play clip nine. How about a hydroxychloroquine? The president promoting the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. We know the FDA yeah. is, has recommended against emergency use. Right. Right, exactly. And, and I go along with the, with the FDA. The, 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 the overwhelming prevailing clinical trials that have looked at the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine have indicated that it is not effective in coronavirus disease. Can he explain more? First of all, I hate this. You know, I go with the FDA. No, we, we don't want to hear that you go along with the massive federal bureaucracy. We want the reasons. I go with the bureaucracy is not science. But, but let me put that aside for a moment. Um, are, are there are there substantial clinical trials where this has been used early stage in covid or as a prophylaxis in covid? I have seen and I, maybe I, and I asked that question, honestly, please send it to me if I'm wrong. I've seen zero clinical trials of that zero. What I have seen are a lot of studies where they give people who are deathly ill with covid-19 hydroxychloroquine, not with zinc, not with azithromycin in combination. And people die and then we're told, oh, it doesn't work. All right. Well, that's not the, the, the use case from the beginning from the doctors who say it works has not been that. But you see, the bureaucracy only wants to make effectively a compassionate use argument for people already in the hospital, already on death's door. Okay, fine, you can give them hydroxychloroquine. And then they do that, and they turn around and say, oh, but it doesn't work. Uh, Why do these doctors think that it does work in the circumstance that they're describing, which is early on, basically within 48 hours of, you know, you think you've got COVID or you've got symptoms, you go on this protocol. Why do they think? I've never seen an explanation. These doctors are just quacks. They're loons. They've been going on TV for months saying, look, I've used this. It's very effective under the following circumstances. And then we get the media lying to you about how it's a dangerous drug, about how hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. That's a lie. And clearly rooting against it to work. You just say, I thought we were on the same team here, guys. I thought we all just wanted the best possible protocol to to limit people's suffering and limit death as much as possible while this pandemic is raging through. No, no, this is this is hyper politicized. There was just a doctor last week in Newsweek who published an, an editorial. Here, let me. He is a Yale epidemiologist. OK, and I'm saying, look, you better print out and save this editorial from him before the social media monopolies. And the tech giants erase it from the Internet and call it disinformation. Here's this piece. This is a Newsweek. All right. And it's from. As I said, a, 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 he's an M.D., Ph.D., teaching epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health. All right. And his name is Harvey Risch. And he says the following. 
As professor of epidemiology at Yale School of Public Health, I've authored over 300 peer-reviewed publications and currently hold senior positions on the editorial boards of several leading journals. I'm usually accustomed to advocating for positions within the mainstream of medicine, so have been flummoxed to find that in the midst of a crisis, I am fighting for a treatment that the data fully support, but which for reasons having nothing to do with a correct understanding of the science has been pushed to the sidelines. As a result, tens of thousands of patients with COVID-19 are dying unnecessarily. Fortunately, the situation can be reversed easily and quickly. I'm referring, remember, this is in Newsweek, Professor Rich, MD, PhD, Yale School of Public Health, over 300 peer-reviewed articles from this guy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is where we are now. Let me let me keep going with this. You should hear more of this editorial. I am referring, of course, to the medication hydroxychloroquine. When this inexpensive oral medication is given very early in the course of illness, before the virus has had time to multiply beyond control, it has shown to be highly effective, especially when given in combination with the antibiotics azithromycin or doxycycline and the nutritional supplement zinc. On May 27th, I published an article in the American Journal of Epidemiology, early outpatient treatment of symptomatic high-risk COVID-19 patients should be ramped up immediately as key to the pandemic crisis. That article, published in the world's leading epidemiology journal, analyzed five studies demonstrating clear-cut and significant benefits to treated patients, plus other very large studies that showed the medication safety. End quote. Where's the Fouch? I want to hear the American people deserve to have this esteemed MD, PhD from Yale University, who's written 300 peer reviewed articles. They need to hear from him and Fauci at the same time. You know, we should have him and we should have Fauci on TV present their cases. And let's see who's right. Fauci told you. These are facts, and the media doesn't want you to remember them. Fauci told you that the virus was going to be no big deal. Fauci told you not to wear a mask. Fauci told you the lockdowns would be short and limited. Fauci told you that we were uh, flattening the curve in in, in places like New York. Flatten the curve. It flattened New York. Everyone got infected, basically, or, you know, a huge portion of the city got infected. It's quite a quite an epidemiology breakthrough. And I continue here with this piece. Physicians who have been using these medications in the face of widespread skepticism have been truly heroic. They have done what the science shows is best for their patients, often at great personal risk. I myself know of two doctors who have saved lives of hundreds of patients with these medications, but are now fighting state medical boards to save their licenses and reputations. The cases against them are completely without scientific merit. Since publication of my May 27th article, seven more studies have demonstrated similar benefit. In a lengthy follow-up letter also published by AJE, I discuss these seven studies and renew my call for the immediate early use of hydroxychloroquine in high-risk patients. These seven studies include an additional 400 high-risk patients treated by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko with zero deaths, four studies totaling almost 500 high-risk patients treated in nursing homes and clinics across the U.S. with no deaths, a controlled trial of more than 700 high-risk patients in Brazil, 
with significantly reduced hospitalization and two deaths among 334 patients treated with hydroxychloroquine. And another study of 398 matched patients with France uh, in France also with significantly reduced hospitalization risk. My letter was published. Even more doctors have reported to me since then their successful use of this. Beyond these studies of individual patients, we have seen what happens in large populations when these drugs are used. These have been natural experiments. In the northern Brazil state of Para, COVID-19 deaths were increasing exponentially. On April 6th, the public hospital network purchased 75,000 doses of azithromycin and 90,000 doses of hydroxychloroquine. Over the next few weeks, authorities began distributing these medications to infected individuals. Even though new cases continue to occur, on May 22nd, the death rate started to plummet and is now one-eighth what it was at the peak. Why has hydroxychloroquine been disregarded? Well, we all know the answer to that. First of all, the medicine has, medicine has uh, been uh, highly politicized. For many, it has become viewed as a marker of political identity on both sides of the spectrum. Nobody needs to remind them that now is not how, that is, that is not how medicine should proceed. Uh, we must judge this medication strictly on the science. Secondly, the drug has not been used properly in many studies. Hydroxychloroquine has showed major success when used in early and high-risk people, but as one would expect in an antiviral, much less success when used later in the disease course. It has demonstrated significant benefit in large hospital studies in Michigan and New York when started within the first 24 to 48 hours after admission. We've got we got to get get into this some more. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Uh, so I, I really mean this. Now, I know I, I usually don't read you big chunks of an editorial, and, and I understand that that, you know, we were getting pretty in the weeds with that one. But is he crazy? Is he lying? What, what is it that Dr. Fauci knows that this esteemed, highly credentialed medical doctor does not know? What what is it? I mean, I, I'm really serious about this. Why is Fauci so dismissive? Eh, all the data, all the science. Really? Because this guy seems to thoroughly disagree. No, but Democrats know that to create a false perception of scientific consensus is a very powerful tool for policy and for control. There are questions. I don't know. I'm not telling you that we have already proven that, that, that hydroxychloroquine can do X or Y or Z. I don't know. But I do know this. The people who are telling you that it is clearly worthless have lied to you. They are lying to us. And they have a very large incentive to continue that lie going forward. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the retweets from the president also accuses you of misleading the public on many issues. You've been at the NIH since 1984. Yeah. You've advised six presidents. Can you continue to do your job when the president of the United States is publicly questioning your yeah. credibility in this way? You know, George, I, I don't know how to address that. I'm just going to certainly continue doing my job. I, I you know, I'm I don't tweet. I don't I don't even read them. So I, I don't really want to go there. I just will continue to do my job no matter what comes out, because I think it's very important. We're in the middle of a crisis with regard to an epidemic, a pandemic. This is what I do. This is what I've been trained for my entire professional life. And I'll continue to do it to the charge. You've been misleading the American public. I have not been misleading the American public under any circumstances. Let's talk about. 
He has not been misleading the American public. That's interesting because they definitely misled us on masks. Don't wear masks. There's no benefit. Oh, no, just kidding. Don't wear masks because we're running out of them. Now it's please wear masks. Oh, no, actually, you better wear a mask or else. That's misleading, folks. We were misled. They misled us. We are on day 130 something of lockdown. They said, oh, 15 days, 15 days to flatten the curve. We're at 130 something and counting. And it's not going away anytime soon. We've been misled all over the place, which anyone can plainly see. But here we are being told more lies. We're not supposed to not supposed to pay attention to it somehow. Not supposed to pay attention at all. Um, I I think that uh, we're pinning a lot of hopes here on turning this whole thing around with the president and, and Operation Warp Speed. Play clip three. Operation Warp Speed is funding a historic portfolio of highly promising vaccine candidates. In addition to our $1.6 billion investment in Novavax, we've issued a $483 million contract with Moderna, a $1.2 billion contract with AstraZeneca, a $465 million contract with Janssen, and just last week, a $1.95 billion agreement with Pfizer. Tremendous progress is being made with all of those great companies. A groundbreaking agreement with Pfizer includes a guarantee to deliver 100 million doses shortly after the vaccine's approval, almost immediately, with the option to purchase an additional 500 million thereafter. $500 million, billions and billions of dollars, all of it going for that game changer of a vaccine game changer right so let's hope that they are able to pull this off even the fouch the fouch is out there saying look i don't want to get anybody too excited you know calm yourself a little bit but yeah it is possible maybe sort of a little bit there's going to be a vaccine at some point in the future and then you're not going to love me anymore you're not going to put me on the covers of magazines i'm going to be very sad very sad play clip five when I say I'm cautiously optimistic, I mean that. The reason I say that is that the, the phase three trial, as you know, started yesterday. The early data on phase one, which was fundamentally safety, but it was enough for us to see the kind of response that this vaccine induces an individual. And it induced a level of antibodies, which are the proteins that fight the virus, at a level that was quite high in the sense of it was comparable, if not better, than what we see in the recovery from natural infection. And that's really one of the issues when you're dealing with vaccines. If you can induce a response that's at least as good as natural infection, that is a good predictor that you're going to have a vaccine that works. Obviously, the proof of the pudding is you've got to do the trial. It's a large trial. 30,000 people are going to be in the trial. That will give us the answer. And yes, I am cautiously optimistic that as we get into the late fall and early winter, we will have an answer, and I believe it will be positive. Let's all hope so, my friends. We get a vaccine. It'll be hard even then for libs to lock us down and ruin our lives. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. 
Oh, the Democrat members of Congress did their very best today to go after Attorney General Bill Barr, trying to say that he is a uh, a lackey for Trump, that he has no ethics, that he's politicized the Justice Department, everything they could think of throwing at this guy, that he's, you know, ruining the rule of law in this country. I mean, you name it. They, they came at him with everything they had. And sure enough, it wasn't even close to enough. Bill Barr was slapping them around like the Incredible Hulk bashing a bunch of uh, you know school children or something. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, they had no shot against this guy. They had no shot against him. I mean, it was watching a bunch of third-tier lawyers who have just been little quizlings of the Democrat Party their whole lives uh, getting uh, schooled on logic and reason and argumentation from a guy who... Look, gets it done. And now let's get to a, a little exchange here that's an example of this. Mr. Attorney General, would it be accurate to say that it's this administration's responsibility, and of course you're part of the administration, to see that federal laws are upheld and that the federal property uh, is secure and safe and protected? Is, is that correct? <clears throat> that's right, Congressman. They're sort of distinct missions. One mission is to enforce federal law. And by the way, the federal government is the sovereign of the United States. We have two sovereigns here uh, in the United States, and we enforce the federal law all over the country. Every square foot of the country, we enforce federal law. The other is protecting federal property, and specifically U.S. courthouses, which are the heart of federal property in all 93 jurisdictions in the United States. And we have the obligation to, to, to protect federal courts, and the U.S. Marshals specifically have been given that obligation. Federal courts are under attack. Since when is it okay to try to burn down a federal court? If someone went down the street to the Prettyman Court here, that beautiful courthouse we have right at the bottom of the hill, and started breaking windows and firing industrial-grade fireworks in to start a fire, throw kerosene balloons in and, and start fires in the court, is that okay? Is that okay now? No, the U.S. Marshals have a duty to stop that and defend the courthouse, and that's what we are doing in Portland. We are at the courthouse defending the courthouse. We're not out looking for trouble. An intellectual against a room full of Democrat morons. And it went pretty much exactly, exactly how you would think it would. But they still bring this nonsense against Attorney General Barr. They, they still try to present this as though they have a real argument about his impartiality. Or, I mean, Democrats are on the side of the mob. These guys are a bunch of lunatics. They're trying to burn down federal courthouses and they're pulling him forward and saying that you're, you know, you're basically uh, doing the president's bidding and it's all about his election. And are, are they not upset at all about? No, they're not. Let's see. The answer. We, we keep asking these questions and we already know the answer they, they don't care in the least. Well, let's see how it went when Swalwell came after him. Mr. Barr, have you ever intervened other than to help the president's friend get a reduced prison sentence for any other case where a prosecutor had filed a sentencing recommendation with the court? A sentencing recommendation? Yeah. Have you ever intervened other than that case with the president's friend? Not that I recall. If you're Does talking... that seem like something you'd recall? 
where you would — Well, I'm, I'm saying I can't really remember my first — if you let me finish the question. I, I, I can't remember. Big, Thirty years ago, I was attorney general. As attorney general now. Uh, but uh, — no, I didn't. But that's because issues come up to the attorney general in a dispute. And I have never heard so, of a dispute. I've never heard of a dispute in the department Mr. where Barton. line prosecutors threatened to quit — Notice the disrespect being shown to the attorney general here. And look, I'm not a, I, we know it's partisan, but they won't even let him speak. It's like me on the Bill Maher show. They don't even get to speak. They talk over you. Oh, OK, well, this is quite a this is quite a discussion, right? No, not allowed to respond. We're, we're just here to throw stuff at you. You're not allowed to, to actually answer anything. You're not allowed to push back. What the attorney general does. So Mr. Barr, Americans from both this. parties are concerned that in Donald Trump's America, there's two systems of justice, one for Mr. Trump and his cronies and another for the rest of us. But that can only happen if you enable it. At your confirmation hearing, you were asked, do you believe a president could lawfully issue a pardon in exchange for the recipient's promise to not incriminate them? You said, no, not, not to what? that would be a crime. You were asked, could a president issue a pardon in exchange for the recipient's promise to not incriminate him? And you responded, no, that would be a crime. Is that right? Yes, I said that. You said a crime. You didn't say it'd be wrong. You didn't say it'd be unlawful. You said it'd be a crime. And when you said that, that a president swapping a pardon to silence a witness would be a crime, you were promising the American people that if you saw that, you would do something about it. Is that right? That's right. Now, Mr. Barr, are you investigating Donald Trump for commuting the prison sentence of his longtime friend and political advisor, Roger Stone? No. Why not? Why should I? Well, let's talk about that. Mr. Stone. <laughs> Notice it. Swallows like, rrr, rrr, rrr. oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Eric Swalwell is a moron. I, I honestly think Eric Swalwell, a much, I, I, would, I would wager he probably, if he has a three digit IQ, it's just barely. But he keeps he keeps going at him. He keeps coming at bar with this nonsense. Was convicted by a jury on seven counts of lying in the Russia investigation. He bragged that he lied to save Trump's butt. But why would he lie? Your prosecutors, Mr. Barr, told a jury that Stone lied because the truth looked bad for Donald Trump. And what truth is that? Well, Donald Trump denied in written answers to the Russia investigators that he talked to Roger Stone during the time Roger Stone was in contact with agents of a Russian influence operation. There's evidence that Trump and Stone indeed did, did talk during that time. You would agree that it's a federal crime to lie under oath. Is that right? Yes. It's a crime for you, it's a crime for me, and it's certainly a crime for the President of the United States. Is that right? Yes. So if Donald Trump lied to the Mueller investigators, which you agree would be a crime, then Roger Stone was in a position to expose Donald Trump's lies. Are you familiar with the December 3rd, 2018 tweet where Donald Trump said Roger Stone had shown guts by not testifying against him? No, I'm not familiar with that. You don't read the president's tweets? No. Well, there's a lot of <laughs> That's another great... You You don't read the president? No, he's the attorney general, man. He's got a lot of things going on. Trump tweets all the time. No, he's, he's not familiar with the random tweet that you pulled out of thin air. Swalwell, you abject moron. No, let's really dive into this. Get out the popcorn, folks. You know, let, let's really enjoy this one for a moment. Evidence in the president's treats, Mr. Attorney General, I think you should start reading them because he said Mr. Stone showed guts. But on July 10 of this year, Roger Stone declared to a reporter, I had 29 or 30 conversations with Trump during the campaign period. Trump knows I was under enormous pressure to turn on him. 
It would have eased my situation considerably, but I didn't. The prosecutors wanted me to play Judas. I refused. Are you familiar with that stone statement? Actually, I'm not. So how can you sit here and tell us why should I investigate the President of the United States if you're not even aware of the facts concerning the President using the pardon or commutation power to swap the silence of a witness? Because we, we require uh, you know, a reliable predicate before we open a criminal investigation. And Boom! Swalwell, you idiot. What are you, what are you alleging? No, nothing that he has alleged is a criminal predicate. Nothing that he has alleged is any evidence of any crime, but he's calling for an investigation. This guy is the, the member of Congress who, after Adam Schiff, is probably most famous for the Russia collusion lie. And this guy's a moron. This is what you're seeing. He's actually dumb. A little more. I just gave you some. I, I don't consider it. I consider it a very Rube uh, Goldberg theory that you have. Well, it, it sounds like you're hearing this. And, and the by the way, if I applied, if I applied this Mr. standard, there'd be, a lot, there'd be a lot more people under investigation. Mr. Attorney General, the very same day that Roger Stone said that, Donald Trump, That's one of the, no the, surprise. The, the truth to standards sense. of justice were really so, during the tail end of the Obama Mr. Attorney General. Oh, you catch that one? He's like the two-tiered standard of justice came at the end of the Obama administration. Like, Harry! Oh, oh, Barr. Oh, dude, this guy is, he's just, he is saying what needs to be said. The truth. And he's not backing down with all of these total and complete morons coming at him on Capitol Hill you know, this is just imagine if the pre- look, uh, I wish the president had. I wish he had better people around him. I'm just going to say it. I mean, because look what happens when he does. Look at what happens when he actually has a smart person in a position of power in his administration who knows what they're doing. Smart people. That's what you want in your top advisory roles. That's what you want running your cabinet, uh, you know, running different agencies. Rather, um, that's what you want. Turn to the not what he's really had, unfortunately. He's had a few, but few and far between. This is a reminder of how important it is. Michael Cohen case. Are you aware, sir, that Michael Cohen, after being released from prison, was asked to not engage with the media, including to write a book? Were you aware that that was going to be asked of him? Was I aware? Yes. No. Do you know if anyone else in your department was aware? Uh, maybe I should tell you what happened. Why don't you tell us what happened? Okay. He was furloughed from the Bureau of Prisons. No, no. Why don't you tell us why he was asked? I will tell you. Because something that people don't seem to understand is that his home confinement was not being supervised by the Bureau of Prisons. It It was being supervised by the probation office, which is part of the U.S. court system. And it was the U.S. court system that had the requirements about not writing. Oh, Swalwell doesn't even know what he's talking about. Oh, what a surprise, little Swalwell. Oh, these guys, morons. Morons. And Barr is just crushing them all. Look, I, I know we went in a bit. You, we could do hours and hours of testimony today, but I just, want to, I just want to show you. They keep interrupting him. They won't let him respond. And look, I mean, he's, he just has the facts on his side. These Democrats are completely out of line. They're insane. All this stuff they're talking about. He just keeps crushing them, and they don't care because they're not there to actually get to justice or get to the truth. They're there to make stupid speeches for their idiot constituents who believe that Attorney General Barr is 
He needs to resign. Anyone who has said that Barr resigns, it's a good litmus test. That person is not very intelligent. If they really believe that he's done anything that is worthy of resignation, if they say that just as a partisan, well, then they're just a gross, dishonest person. But that, that he should resign because he's violated some department protocol. This guy is put he put on a clinic all at, all day, all day for these Democrats. I mean, they should really they should get a bill from him in the mail. And there are these Democrats are their lawyers for the most part, too. And they sit on Congress and they've got their staffs writing their questions for them. All nonsense. Now. I did have a tweet over the weekend. I think I I still stand behind it, folks, that even though Attorney General Barr is very squared away, I don't think the Durham probe is going to have any prosecutions of anybody whose name you know. That much I can tell you. It's not going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I rarely tell you that I make a prediction that I really, really hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong on this one um, because there needs to be uh, an accounting for what was done here for the abuse of the law. And the only person that's going to get it done is Attorney General Bill Barr. There's nobody else who can step up and get that done. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Team Buck, it's time for roll call. Roll call, everybody. Let's get to it, my friends. Let's get to it. Uh, before uh, I can jump into it, I just, producer Mark, um, I know you missed me tremendously yesterday. How did our friend Mike Slater do? Oh, he's fantastic. Nice, on time. Mm. Bunch of other adjectives I can't use about Buck. Yeah, yeah no, he, he's, uh, he's a very nice guy and, and very much on, on the ball. So I'm, I'm glad that that all worked out well. And he is smart enough to live in San Diego and enjoy gorgeous weather year round while we uh, hunker down here. In, I mean, we still have the terrible lib politics, but uh, it's it's very warm here. Our beaches are not nearly as nice. You know, Coney Island Beach is not mm-mm, not getting it done for me. The beaches are nice, but Coney Island's a nice area in general. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying our New York City beaches are not oh, yeah, up to nothing. San Diego standards. And I'm trying not to think about winter, because it's coming. That's true, that's true, too. Yeah, then you get to be at the beach in Coney Island. That's a whole different experience. All righty, uh, we'll get to the... Oh, oh I want to make sure you go to BuckSexton.com. We've got stories posted there throughout the day. Please make that a part of your routine. I also had a conversation yesterday with our digital team about T-shirts are coming, and they're coming soon, so get ready for that. I'll announce it when I can. Uh, when they're up and running and producer mark do you have a do you have any t-shirt slogans you want to add or anything you want to work in the mix uh give me a sec ah i see what you did Mm -hmm. there see for those watching it or listening at home he's making fun of me because i I do i often have to take a moment before we do a segment on radio to make sure it's the most perfect and amazing radio segment ever and producer mark is always watching the clock telling us that we have to be on time that that there is a deadline for this. Well, and so I, I mean, I speak for the listeners of the Freedom Hut. They want the show quicker, and I'm trying to get it to them quicker. That is true. You are, you are, you are their advocate in this regard. Otherwise, the show would probably go up at about uh, 11 o'clock at night, you know, and our radio stations would be unhappy because there wouldn't be anything to put on the air. So good to know that we, uh, we do have to get it done, or rather good to know that someone's making sure we get it done on time now uh bucksaxon.com also please follow me on instagram bucksaxon i'll be doing more 
conversations with folks on the Instagram. Buck Sexton there. Uh, we're using social media more than ever here in the Freedom Hunt. So uh, please do give me a follow. And uh, I mean, are we doing the best radio and podcast in the country? Pretty much. Other than Rush. So you got to check us out. And with that, we will get into our roll call. Oh, eight. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. That's if you want. People love the voicemail box. And producer Mark loves staying up super late to listen to all of your voicemails. So please. Today must be song. opposite day. Yeah, send us, call us as much as you want. And producer Mark loves it. He also likes it when you call him with uh, any crazy theories about aliens and lizard people running the country and um and you know all all kinds of stuff like that that's what he gets really excited about i can make you not be heard remember that that's true that, that would hmm. be sad he has the power to mute <laughs> he could all of a sudden we'll just have dead air on the show that's gonna become be the producer mark show pretty soon yeah 844-900-2825 on that phone and then uh, on that voicemail box and remember team buck at iheartmedia.com if you want to email us facebook.com slash buck sexton if you want to send us a Facebook message. And you can also send us messages on Instagram now. On the gram, as the cool kids call it. On the gram. Uh, okay. First up here, Arthur. Fast forward to November. Joe Biden wins the election. Now the pundits at CNN and MSNBC begin to realize that their entire content platform and messaging has to change. But to what? The celebration of bashing President Trump on a daily basis is moot. Trump's tax returns, Mary Trump's tell-all book, maybe for a bit, but what then? What happens to their audience? Will they survive? Well, Arthur, the answer is yes, they'll be just fine because what they'll switch to um, is how Biden is going to save the country by doing the Green New Deal and amnesty, and it really will be, even more so than a Hillary presidency, a Biden presidency, will be a continuation of the Obama administration. And as we know, Obama was very... Um, uh, Obama was very adept at pushing us towards socialism. That, that is something he excelled at. He was, he was excellent at making the country increasingly socialist and, and weakening our economy and doing a terrible job on foreign policy as well laughable foreign policy from the Obama administration. What's the big foreign policy uh, disaster of the Trump of the first four uh, first four years of Trump? Oh, there isn't one. Oh, what a surprise. Um, Charlie Buck on your show today. You did it. You said Democrats goal is to make America miserable again. Mama, uh, a.k.a. or mama, rather, a.k.a. the mommy state. Uh, I know, different than nanny state, but close enough. Contrasted with MAGA, keep up the great work and fight. Pull no punches, forge ahead, shields high. Charlie, thank you so much, man. And yeah, make America miserable again. That is the Democrats' unofficial, but I say basically official slogan. That is what they are doing. And they have no, uh, no remorse about it. In fact, they really think that it's a cause for celebration on their point, on their part. So it's troubling to all the rest of us, but... This is what we are facing, my friends. This is what we're dealing with. And I would like to see more. You know, we need we need our our pro Trump meme army out there online. We need people making the case. We need the arguments for all this stuff. 
All right, John. On a recent podcast, you opined that newsreaders and actors had little credibility. I concur. Ron Burgundy is the ultimate illustration of that point. Shields high. Well, John, thank you for agreeing with me. I always like that. And I'd also say that uh, Ron Burgundy is a fictional character, but based on the reality of the vain, stupid TV news anchor, which is a very real thing. There's, there's a lot of that. There are a lot of vain, stupid TV news anchors out there uh, who don't know anything but expect people Nonetheless, to value their opinions and think that we all have to listen to them. So, yeah. Um, let's see here. Adam, Buck, hitting on a point you've uh, emphasized a lot lately. We are all like Superman sitting right at the end of Man of Steel, holding Zod in the headlock, watching as he is going to vaporize everything we know and love. Do we snap the neck and become the monsters they claim we are, or do we fight? for just the standstill as the laser beam inches ever closer to all we hold dear, begging for them to stop. Shields high. Um, that's quite a visual. Producer Mark, did, did you, do you know what he's talking about? I actually don't remember that, that scene. I, I think it's just the end of Man of Steel. Did, did you, I, didn't, I never saw that, did you? I think so a long time ago. I think it wasn't one of the better... Super, there haven't really been good Superman movies. Isn't that astonishing? Why aren't the yeah. Superman movies better? Every other superhero has a pretty good movie except Superman. It never yeah, took the, off. I don't know why. Super, the Superman franchise reboot has not been good. And I, I kind of, I'm nostalgic for the old one, but it does look like he's wearing someone's kind of tight pajamas, you know? Yeah, I mean, Christopher Reeve was good, but it's just very old. Yeah, it's very dated now, you know? And, and the guy is not exactly uh, going to catch the lead in the movie 300 with his chiseled abs and and you know biceps either i'm I'm just saying you know it's a little it was a different time a different expectation it's funny if you actually look back at the old adam west batman show on tv did you ever see that where they had the bam bow wham you know they put that on the screen that that screams 60s oh yeah it screams 60s and you know adam west the guy who played batman you know he, he looked like he was enjoying plenty of martinis by the pool i mean the guy we have different expectations now for superheroes than we did then i'm just saying i'm just i don't know and he who lives in a glass house shouldn't throw stones i spent a lot of time by the pool myself this weekend and i was like time to start doing some squats and and push-ups again that is for sure i'm gonna get on it i'm gonna get on it uh but adam yeah i I don't i don't really have a good uh answer for for your um your premise here other than yeah, we got to win. We got to win. I know it's the most simple thing in the world. I know it's so straightforward. We got to win or else what are we really doing? You got to ask yourself. Joe. Hello, Buck and producer Mark. Lately, libs are going crazy about President Trump sending federal agents to protect civilians and help res- uh, help restore order among the riots. They call Trump a dictator, but I recall them cheering wildly when Obama said you've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong just as well-funded as the military. What did they think Obama was going to do with that force? Ah, well, Joe, as you no doubt already are aware, um, Obama was to be judged by an entirely different set of rules and expectations from President Trump. So there's that. Um, there there you go. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about this other than they're, they're completely shameless in all of this. And even pointing out their dishonesty is not sufficient to get them to stop this, right? Even pointing out 
what a what a bunch of absurdities uh, they they unveil on a regular basis. They don't care. They will just gaslight you. They'll say, no, we didn't say that during Obama, uh, Obama's administration. No, we didn't say that. So it's very hard to make any progress because they're just committed to power and to the narrative. They really, I mean, Democrats, Democrats treat politics like a religion. I, I, I think of politics as a conservative as, as something that we have to deal with so that we can have maximum freedom and enjoy our lives. But I don't view this as uh, as something to be, you know, I don't view politicians as people to be worshipped, and I don't view the political party that I affiliate with or that I'm a member of as an intrinsic part of who I am as a human being. Not at all, actually. Let's see here. Um, Kristen, so if the bread needs to be detached to be a sandwich, is everything Subway sells not a sandwich? Boom, pow, wham. Producer Mark, take that. Is a taco a sandwich? How about a burrito? Maybe a wrap? Any of those sandwiches? I think we got to say that a burrito is a sandwich. How is a burrito a sandwich? It's a burrito. It's just a burrito. Okay, maybe not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to retract it. I think you're right on burrito. Just like a hot dog is just a hot dog. There's no way of describing it other than hot dog. It's not a sandwich. I still think a hot dog's a sandwich. I don't think so. I mean, Kristen has a good point, though, about Subway. That bread is still connected, my man. Okay, all right. So maybe that argument is bad. But, I mean, you can even make the argument that a hamburger's not a sandwich. Look at a menu at a restaurant. Are the hamburgers in the same section as the sandwiches? Are the hot dogs? So so just so I'm clear, so we understand we don't have to revisit this, you know, again, when, when someone calls in and, and calls you out on something. I'm just saying, uh, or writes in, uh, the definition of sandwich is two pieces of bread with something in between that you eat. Is that right? Usually, yeah. Okay, we'll test this one out. I don't know. And no, uh, a lot of people are going to say, oh, if you split open a hot dog bun and make it two pieces of bread, is it a sandwich? Then no, it's still a hot dog. Sounds like lib logic to me. I think. Is, is an right. Oreo a sandwich? Yes. It's a sandwich cookie. Yeah, it's a sandwich. Hot dog's mm. not a sandwich. Do you know where the term sandwich comes from? No. The British Earl of Sandwich. Hmm. True story. Good man. All right. Yeah, he's one of my favorite earls. Sarah, uh, we have more coming your way here. Hi, Buck and producer Mark. This is Sarah from Colorado, and I've been listening daily to your podcast since the beginning of the year. Love the show. I watched your Instagram live with Tulu on your lap. Had to wonder if you held her there to hide the fat Thor. <laughs> wow. When my kids were little, I used to pose them in front of me when taking pictures to hide the mom pudge. Keep doing the good work, and I pass the buck every chance I get. She'll tie. No, Sarah, I was not holding the dog in front of my belly. Good, good heavens. Good. See what you've done, producer Mark. Now the Fat Thor meme is catching on for the freedom. <laughs> I love that everyone's referring to you as Fat Thor now. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, but no, that is not. I just held Tallulah up in the Instagram live because I wanted you all to see what a cutie she is and how much fun she is. There's nothing, nothing beyond that. It wasn't to hide. I'll, I'll do an Instagram live without Tallulah. How about that? Yes, I have put on a little weight during quarantine, a little bit. But you know, it's some. I know how to take care of it. Got to st stop eating cookies all the time. 
only one serving of mac and cheese after you've already had dinner. You know, things like that are probably important for maintaining a healthy, healthy weight. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, next up is Maureen. Hey, Buck and producer Mark. Welcome back. Just have to say that while you were very missed, thought you'd like to know that Mike Slater did a fantastic job filling in on Monday. The content was just so spot on. He broke down Marxism and the education system and the infiltration and indoctrination of our kids so perfectly. Very informative and a pleasure to listen to and learn from. He's great. So please have him be your guest host anytime you have to be gone, which hopefully isn't too often. As a Freedom Hut needs you, Mr. Buck. Welcome back. Well, thank you so much, Maureen. Now, Mike Slater's a great guy. We're old colleagues. We worked together at The Blaze, I don't know now, six, seven years ago. Um, and I'm just happy to see Mike's career continue to, to grow and progress. And he's just a really smart, good dude. And, you know, there are... I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to focus on the positive in my fellow conservatives. I'm going to focus on the positive in my fellow... Because this is not about Mike, about other people that I could talk about. But I focus on the positives. I like that, I like that we got a good team, the best team. The winning team, the best, the very best, prob- probably the best team. Douglas... Buck, if the city of New York trained its police officers to employ certain techniques in arresting someone and the police did that exactly as trained, but the city has declared the very method it taught as criminal, is the city guilty of aiding and abetting the very crime it seeks to punish the officers for? Uh, Douglas, that's an interesting question. I hadn't thought of it that way, but they would probably say the city has a kind of immunity against that because the law changed from when they had that taught to people. But I, I see what you're saying. I got to kind of, I mean, the answer is no, the city's not going to be held responsible for it, but I got to kind of think of the legalities of it. It's an interesting, it's a thinker. All right, last one here, Daniel. Hey, Buck and producer Mark, love your show. Must say your shows have, uh, the shows you've done in the pandemic are among the best, if not the best shows I have heard from you or anyone else in years. Great work, guys. And as always, Shields High. Daniel, thanks so much, man. Everybody, please pass the buck. This week, I ask you as a favor to, to me, to Mark, to your country, darn it, Get one person you know to listen to the Buck Sexton show. It's great on Spotify. So easy. Just type in Buck Sexton or on the iHeartRadio app. Until tomorrow, my friends. Shields high.